All right, well, good morning, and uh, this is my first uh, time being on this side of the Graduate Recognition Sunday, and so that's uh, a little bit different for me. Uh, I love uh, those, you know, sometimes on a Graduate Recognition Sunday, you get uh, some people that come out of the woodwork a little bit, uh, but I loved those three, uh, especially because I was talking yesterday, Isaiah was uh, the first time, I came here as a student minister in 2015, and my first uh, small group was Isaiah and another uh, sixth grader. Those were the only two that showed up to my first uh, small group, and so it's pretty cool. It's cool to see uh, him graduate now, and like, and now you know he's he's been a part of uh, the student ministry ever since then. Uh, you know, Bryn Piper works uh, is our elementary director here, but that never let you th- never allow that to be. Allow yourself to think that that is the reason that she comes or is involved. She is fully her own person. I made that mistake once. She quickly corrected me, uh, and so uh, I've been so thankful for her. And JT, I think JT is one of my favorites because JT is... uh, when he's one of the students that when he sees you, even if you don't see him in, in Walmart or wherever, he will say hi to you. And I've always appreciated JT for that. I was like, hey, he actually kind of likes me. All right. So, uh, but I, I really, it's awesome to see uh, those, those three have been a part of our student ministry for years, and uh, I'm just thankful for them. And I think Isaiah, I mean, he is my first one to go from 6 to 12, and so uh, it's just awesome to see all of them uh, starting this next phase of their life. So be praying for them. Anybody that's, you know, if you've graduated high school and, or if you can remember uh, graduating high school, and you, when you enter this next phase of your life, whatever it is, you know that it is just a whole new ball game. You move out of your parents, and uh, suddenly life is just different. And so just be praying for them. Uh, we, that is a tool that, that they need, and we need to use more. And so just be praying for them as they enter this next phase. So we have been uh, covering the life of Timothy for a few weeks now, using what Uh, Luke recorded about Paul's missionary journeys in the book of Acts. And by combining what we read in the book of Acts with the letters that Paul wrote uh, to the different churches or to different people, then we can see that Timothy was was either, he was always either with Paul in person or he was sent out by Paul to somewhere. And, And that helps us to know where Timothy is. Even if if you don't, it doesn't explicitly say, uh, if, even if you, in times that you don't know, you know where Timothy is because he's either with Paul or sent by Paul. And so even though this is Paul's journey that we're reading about, we know where Timothy is as well. And, and during this series, we've seen Timothy in Thessalonica, and he, he successfully strengthened and encouraged the church there. We've seen him sent to the, the very troubled church at Corinth, where he didn't fare, well, quite as well, and he experienced some uh, failure and disappointment out of that. Last week, we saw Timothy in Philippi, where, where Paul was in prison, and he needed somebody to go in his place, and so he chose Timothy to go because he said, I have no one else like him. And there was nobody else that genuinely cared like Timothy did, putting others and uh, putting others and the work of the gospel above himself and the work of, of the kingdom. And, and so, this this morning we're going to move forward about five years, and that puts us around, right around 65 A.D. And this was about the time that, that Paul was executed by the emperor Nero. And Timothy, well, he's now the pastoral leader at the church at Ephesus. And before Paul's death, he, he writes two last recorded letters, and they're, it's First and Second Timothy. And we're going to be looking at these two letters over the next couple of weeks as we finish up 
this series on Timothy, a, a true son in the faith. And, and this week we're going to be spending most of our time in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy is, is a letter about perseverance in the faith. There are other topics included, but overall, this is a book or a letter about perseverance. And Paul was writing to Timothy to convince him to push through the tough times that he was experiencing for the long-term good of the believers there at Ephesus. And as we said last week, Timothy cared more about the believers than he did his own good, and more about the work of the gospel than his own comfort, which means that Paul knew that Timothy was struggling. He knew that there was a lot going on, but he also knew that, Paul, uh, that Timothy had the character that was re- required for the job. Remember, it was the breadth of his character that mattered to Paul. And so he knew that he could do it as long as he pushed through these trials that he was facing in the moment there. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about perseverance. Now, perseverance can show up in, in different ways for each of us. For the, for the graduates that we recognize this morning, it, it's a perseverance to get through 12 years of schooling and testing and studying, and, and now it's finally paying off. And for their parents, you've persevered through some tough times as well. There's been tears, there's been laughter, there's been anger, I'm sure, disappointment, frustration, but here we are, we, we've made it. Many of us may think of sports when we think about perseverance. You have to work through the pain of training and practice to see a payoff on the field. Perhaps at some point in your life, you've had to rehab a major injury, and that requires a lot of perseverance too, a lot of mental toughness to get through so one day you can get back on the field or to get back to 100%. Now for others of us, Perseverance might look a little bit different. Maybe for you, or as it is sometimes for me, uh, perseverance means not eating all of the Girl Scout cookies in one sitting. And it was really hard work, and you didn't know if you could do it, but in the end, you pushed through, and you persevered, and you didn't eat that last row until the next day. Perseverance. As we study this letter this morning, remember that these are some of the last words that Paul spoke to Timothy. And last words, well, they they hold a little bit more importance, right? If you knew that you were about to die, or if you knew you were about to go away somewhere, and you had a limited amount of opportunities to speak with somebody, you would focus on the important things, right? You wouldn't just be shooting the breeze or just catching up on the day's events, You would say the things you needed to say, the things that you wanted to leave somebody with. And Paul's letters to Timothy, well, they have a similar feeling to them. Timothy's father, he's briefly mentioned in Acts chapter 16, but what we can draw from the few words that are said about him is that he might not have been a big part of Timothy's life. He was Greek and apparently not a believer. That's about all we know about him. In that same section of Scripture, his, his mother is mentioned as being Jewish and being a believer, and then his mother and grandmother are mentioned in 2 Timothy. But the only thing that's said about his father is there in Acts 16, and it just says, but his father was a Greek, and that's it. And so as we've looked at this relationship between Paul and Timothy, I definitely get some father-son relationship vibes. Paul Paul has stepped in and been a father figure to Timothy where maybe his father was absent. And as we've said many times, Paul called Timothy a true son in the faith. Last week, we saw where Paul compared Timothy's work with him to be to, to the way a son works with his father. And so 
yes, it looks like Paul stepped in and was a father figure for Timothy, but it also looks as though Paul has embraced this relationship and looks, as t- looks to Timothy as a son of his own. And so these letters weren't just to, some, to an apprentice, just somebody training. No, these were letters, these were a father's last words to his son. And so what would you say if that were you? If you only had one last opportunity to write letters to a, to a son or a daughter before you leave this earth, what would you say? Maybe you've thought about this before, and, or maybe you haven't, but I, I bet for many of us, we would say something similar to, stay faithful to the Lord, and I hope to see you again in heaven one day. In other words, persevere and keep fighting the good fight no matter what comes your way. And that's what Paul does too. 1 Timothy is a letter about perseverance. Perseverance for Timothy, perseverance for the believers at Ephesus, and perseverance for all of us today as well. And with that in mind, I want to look at 1 Timothy 1, starting in verse 1. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, we're going to be uh, camped out in 1 Timothy most of the morning. And so we're going to start in 1 Timothy 1, verse 1, where Paul writes, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus, so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer, or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. And so there in verse 3, Paul says that he's urging Timothy to stay there in Ephesus. And that kind of indicates that there's a little bit of hesitancy on Timothy's part to remain there. Last week we mentioned that, that Timothy always put the work of the gospel above his own comfort. He always said yes when Paul asked him to go somewhere. There was no, never a moment where Timothy, where Timothy was asked to go somewhere and he said no, right? That we never read about Paul saying, I can't believe you didn't want to go. No, Timothy was always going. He was always willing to answer the call without complaint. And we've never seen any hesitancy or, or reluctancy from Timothy, but this time, well, this time seems a little bit different. See, Ephesus was a little like Corinth, a place that Timothy had gone and failed before. It was full of pagan religions and accompanying immoral behavior. And so if Corinth was the Las Vegas of the ancient world, well, maybe this was the Atlantic City. And and the temple of the Greek goddess Artemis was there in Ephesus, and people came from all around because this was considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was one of the big places where people came to visit and, and worship this Greek goddess Artemis. Artemis is also known as Diana of the Ephesians and is actually the basis for the superhero Wonder Woman. In Acts 19, we read about a silversmith named Demetrius who made a living creating statues of Artemis, making little trinkets. So when the Taurus came in and came to worship Artemis, he could send them a little trinket to go on their way. And so he's, he's mad when Paul comes in, Paul and his team come in there because they're preaching about a God that is above all this. He's saying, this is a false God. Don't, don't worship Artemis. Worship the one true God. And that's causing a little bit of an issue for Demetrius because he's saying, whoa, whoa, whoa you're messing with my livelihood here. I, people don't want this if they think that she's not real. I, I need her to be real. And so he gets a little upset. And so he, he decides, you know what, I'm going to start a riot. And he gets the city 
in an uproar. He gets the whole city in an uproar to the point where people are so mad with each other, so people are so upset, but they don't know what they're upset about. When you can read in Acts 19, people actually say they got all riled up and then were confused. Nobody knew what they were actually upset about. They just knew that they should be upset about something. And sometimes you can end up in a situation like that, right? I don't know what we're fighting about, and I'm, I'm angry. You know, like that's, that's how these people are. And eventually, the city of Ephesus turns into a little bit of a scary place for Paul and his team. And so you can understand maybe, combined with his experience in Corinth, you can understand Timothy's hesitancy a little bit to remain in Ephesus. This, Paul, I, this ain't a safe place. I think I, I got to go. I mean, especially given Timothy's timid nature and his previous struggles, he's looking for a way out. He didn't really want to stay, but Paul insisted that he remain there and invest time strengthening and encouraging the believers there, the things that he was good at, just like he had done in Thessalonica and Philippi. And friends, there's going to be times where the work that you and I are called to do for the Lord and his kingdom, well, it's not going to be easy. And maybe when you hear about it, you go, I don't know about that. I don't know if I want to. It might, might give you butterflies in your stomach. It might cause anxiety. You might be hesitant because things that have happened in the past, because of failures that have happened to you in your past. But that right there is when we need to persevere and know that the Lord is working in us and through us. And he will see us through to the other side. If God calls you to something, he's gonna, he ain't going to leave you in the middle. He's going to follow you through all the way to the end. And Timothy may not have been comfortable with Paul's request, but he persevered and he stayed for the good of the believers. And I think we can learn from Timothy's perseverance when it comes to our own lives as well. And so what lessons can we learn from that perseverance if we want to be useful to the Lord and the work of his kingdom? Well, first, we have to navigate through the quitting points. Timothy needed to stay in Ephesus. It was a city rife with immorality and false teachers, and somebody needed to stay there to correct the believers by speaking the truth and living it out. And Paul Paul knew that they couldn't just give up and abandon the believers there. That wasn't an option, not in a time like this. When things get tough and frustrating, it's tempting to give up. But we have to push through so that some, at least, may know the truth. And so if we look back to 1 Timothy 1, Paul tells Timothy near the end of of the chapter in verse 18, Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Here Paul mentions two men in the church who rejected the truth, and as a result, they shipwrecked their faith instead of persevering through the tough times. And what an incredible image that is, a a shipwrecked faith. I mean, we can imagine a a ship getting lost and, and off course, running aground on the rocks of immorality and false teaching and sin. Friends, we need to stay vigilant and alert that we stay the course in our own faith. No matter where we are today, no matter how strong we might think we are today, we must continue talking to Jesus and growing closer to him so that our faith isn't shipwrecked as well. Even the Titanic was taken down by an iceberg, and even the strongest Christian can be brought down by the evils of this world if they're not keeping an eye out for what's ahead. 
And Paul continues to warn against this in chapter 4, saying, the Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. And here in this verse, the Greek word that Paul uses for abandon means to depart from or, or to fall away. And some might argue that these people, well, they were never believers in the first place. But Paul seems to indicate that they definitely were a part of the church family. They definitely were believers. And besides, you can't abandon or fall away from something that you never had in the first place. And here at Gateway, we believe that while nobody can snatch you away from God's hand, you can fall away or depart from your faith by your own free will. And friends, we must, we must continue then fighting the, the good fight of faith. Jesus says in Luke 9, 23, that we must pick up our cross daily and follow him. There is never a point where we are immune to the temptations and sin of this world. There's no vaccine for temptation. And just about the point that you think, I'm good, I got this, that's when Satan likes to up the ante and try to pull us away while our guard is down. We have to be on guard constantly because according to Paul, the, clear, the Spirit clearly says that it's going to happen. And there will be times in your life that you want to quit. Sometimes you, you want to quit in, in your marriage during moments of conflict or temptation. Sometimes you want to quit at your job when you feel unappreciated or underpaid. Sometimes you want to quit on your faith when life really gets hard and it feels like God isn't there. And it can happen when you feel like you have it all together and you're on top of the mountain. And man, I don't, I don't need God anymore. I, I, life is going great. Or it can happen at your, lo- at your lowest moments when you feel like, man, God didn't even see me right now. He doesn't care about me. This, there's no way that a loving God would let this happen. And so whether it's in aspects of your life or in your faith, we have to learn to navigate through those quitting points. The moments where we want to give up and throw in the towel. Dr. Paul Stoltz is is an author and he's a motivational speaker and he is the originator of an idea called the adversity quotient. And he has written a book on the subject and in that book he compares life to being a mountain climber, climbing up a mountain. And everybody's moving up that mountain. Life is a mountain and so we're all climbing up it. But along the way, climbing the mountain gets tough. And there are some that will stop and quit, and there are some that'll stop and camp. They just get to a certain point, and they just stop the forward progress. They decide, I don't want to climb this mountain anymore. But then there are some who are climbers that will finish strong. And Stoltz says that it's not your IQ that matters in those situations, but your AQ, your adversity quotient. How well do you handle adversity? There will be adversity as you climb that mountain, but how do you handle it? Do you quit? Or do you navigate through the points and continue on? And here I'm sure that Timothy was tempted to say, no, I don't want to do that, Paul. I've been through a lot. I don't know if you've seen what's going on. People are really, I mean, the whole city is angry. And and, I mean, it's just a lot. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to be here by myself. I mean, I know you're in prison, but like, I I don't know if I want to be here. But Paul said, no. Timothy, I I need you to stay there. I need you to stay there and take care of those people. What happens if you leave? I need you to stay there and climb the mountain. And Timothy had to navigate through this quitting point in order to remain useful to the Lord and the work of his kingdom there in Ephesus. And this probably, you know what, this probably wasn't the first time. As we read about Timothy, I'm sure there were other points where he's like, I don't know about this. This ain't, I mean, this is a lot. 
But it is the first time we see any kind of hesitancy on Timothy's part as we read through these different letters. And the same thing goes for us. There will be moments in our lives where our usefulness to the Lord will depend on how we navigate through the quitting points in our life. When adversity hits, how are we going to handle it? These quitting points can be anything from a, a crisis in your life or Satan tempting you with a lie. And much like the other communities we've covered during this series, Paul, he loved the church in Ephesus immensely. In verse 5 of chapter 1, Paul says that the goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. He doesn't want to see them thrown off course or shipwrecked by selfish men, false teachers, and endless controversies. And so he he urges Timothy to navigate through this quitting point for the good of the people there. I need you to get through the adversity, Timothy, for for the sake of these people. These people needed him to persevere and navigate through this quitting point so they are not led astray. Another lesson in perseverance that we can learn from Paul's letter to Timothy is that we have to watch our life closely. We have to watch our life closely. If we want to be useful to the Lord and the work of his kingdom all the way to the end of our lives, we have to watch our lives closely. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 11 where Paul says, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now, Paul mentions in verse 16 that uh, it mentions doctrine there, and that's something we're going to be covering next week, what sound doctrine looks like. But today, let's consider the other part, what it means to watch our lives closely. What does that mean? What exactly are we supposed to be watching here? Well, in verse 12 of chapter 4 there, now this is a passage that maybe you've heard before, though for some of us, uh, it might be a little bit since we could apply that about being uh, young. But uh, verse 12 says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. If you want to shipwreck your life, If you want to shipwreck your relationships, ministry, your witness, or really anything else, then don't pay any attention to those things. But if you want to persevere, then you need to to watch these things. The first thing is you need to watch your speech. How you talk to others matters. What you say to people matters. Your words are powerful. James said it's like the rudder to a ship or the bit for a horse that steers you where you're going to go. Your tongue is more powerful than you might think, and your words are as well. Watch your conduct. How you act matters as well. People say that actions speak louder than words, and whether that's true or not, your actions are a big deal. Watch your love. Unchecked and misplaced love can lead to idolatry or adultery. Watch your faith. Keep studying and praying. A shallow faith is a prime target for a storm. And watch your purity. We live in a world that is full of temptation. It's around every corner. So don't get caught taking the bait. 
Reading through chapters 5 and 6, I think Paul is talking both about sexual purity and financial purity. And in 2 Timothy 2.22, Paul tells Timothy to flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Watch all these things closely so that you are not led astray and end up shipwrecked. These things can cause you to fall away from all that you've ever been taught. Even if you've grown up in the church, one of these things can take you down and you'll depart from your faith. We have to persevere and watch our life closely all the way to the end. Our faith can shipwreck no matter what our age is. You might have to watch one area closer when you're young and then another area altogether when you're older. Satan, he doesn't care about your age. He doesn't care if you grew up in the church. He doesn't care how much you know about the Bible. He's constantly looking to throw obstacles in your path just to trip you up. And it's not easy to stay on top of all these things. It's a daily task to stay on top of these things. But it is necessary to saving our lives and perhaps even the lives of those around you. It's necessary for your church, it's necessary for your family, and it's necessary to be useful in the work of the kingdom. And this path of faith, <laughs> it's hard, it's not easy, it's, it can run you down and feel like, man, I just feel like I can never get on top of this. I mean, Jesus, he, but he warned us of this. He said we would have trials of many kinds. He said, you know what, you got to count the cost before you commit to following me, because it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. It's not for everybody. This is, this is a narrow path that we have chosen, and many will fall away. The, the heroes of the Old Testament, they tried to be holy, and, but they were imperfect, and they were led astray. See, holiness is only easy for those who have never tried it. Holiness is only easy for those who have never tried it. Our need for Jesus, man, it's only amplified when we attempt to live holy lives. And why is that? Because when you commit to following Jesus and set out on a path of holiness, you quickly realize, man, there are rocks everywhere that are threatening to shipwreck, shipwreck me and my faith. And in those moments, we have to watch our lives closely, and we have to cling to Jesus. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. When I grew up, the NIV would say he will provide a way, up, way out so you could stand up under it. Like you, uh, you would get this image that Jesus was like, a, he was a refuge or a, a shelter for you. And as you navigate through this life, there's going to be temptations at every turn. Everywhere you go, you're going to be tempted. They don't stop. They don't, they don't, they don't just, you don't get a break. They're just always there. But let Jesus then be the light that helps you navigate past the rocks that threaten to shipwreck you and your faith. You know, some like to take that verse from 1 Corinthians there and, and change it to say that the Lord won't give you more than you can handle. But that's not what Paul says. Because there will be moments where you're asked to endure. You're handed more in your life than you think that you can handle. I, I'm sure if you, it, we read all that Paul had been through last week, and I'm sure if you gave that list to Paul and said, all right, this is what you're going to have to do, he'd go, oh, no, I can't. I can't do that. That's more than I can handle. No, but he was given it, and he endured it with the help of the Lord. And, and just like you might have moments in your life that you, you look back and go, I don't know how I got through that. 
Well, <laughs> if we go to the Lord in prayer, he's the one that helps us through it. Timothy, I- I'm sure he didn't, think he, could, he, he, he didn't think he could stay there in Ephesus. But with the help of the Lord, he persevered and he got through it. He navigated through the quitting points. And this week when I, when I was thinking of examples of perseverance, I, I kept coming back to, to one example that you might be familiar with. Maybe you've heard, a ser- heard it in a sermon before. In the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona, a British runner named Derek Redmond was competing in the 400-meter race. And Derek got off to a good start. He was convinced he was going to win that day. And then he tore his hamstring and crumpled to the ground right in the middle of the race. As he's laying there, I'm sure there's a lot of thoughts going through his head. I can't do this. It hurts too bad. I can't make it. But after a couple moments, he just he gets up and he decides, no, 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 no. This is the Olympics. This might be the only time I get to come back here. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this race. And so he begins to to hop on one foot and, and limp toward the finish line. He is determined to finish. He's gonna push through the pain. He's going to persevere through this immense adversity. And as he's hopping down the track in agony, his father comes onto the track, comes alongside his son, and he helps him make it the rest of the way. He helps support him so they can finish this race together. And it was truly just an incredible moment, probably the most memorable last place finish ever. I mean, I I wish some of my last place finishes were this inspirational. But I watched an interview with Derek Redmond this week, and he said as his father was helping him get down the track, he just kept saying, you don't have anything to prove to us. You're still a champion to us. You're going to be back in this moment. You know what? Let's do this together. I kept thinking this week, as I thought about this incredible example of perseverance and persevering through adversity, that, that sometimes... We need people who believe in us to come alongside us and say, I believe in you. You can do this. Let's do it together. And sometimes God might put people in your lives that are our way out so that we can endure whatever it is we're fighting through. Maybe God's going to put you in somebody else's life and you're their way out. And during that agonizing trip down the track, I'm sure there were several quitting points for Derek Redmond to navigate. Nobody would have blamed him for staying on the track or just quitting at any number of points during that race. The same goes for Timothy. After all that Timothy had gone through, I don't think anybody would have said anything about him quitting in Ephesus. You know what? I understand. There's a lot going on. I mean, there's rioting. It's tough. People aren't listening. Nobody would have blamed him. But instead, Timothy navigated his quitting points and stayed there setting an example for the believers and changing lives in the process. This morning, you might have come here, you might be going through something that is requiring perseverance in your own life. Maybe there is a temptation or a sin that just, man, it just keeps popping back up in your life. And if so, I want to call back to our focus verse this morning, 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12, where Paul told Timothy, But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. 
If there is a temptation in your life this morning, if there is a repeating sin in your life, flee from it. Don't let your faith get shipwrecked. Don't just sit idly by and watch your life get shipwrecked, but instead take hold of the eternal life that was given to you when Jesus died on the cross to take the punishment for your sins. And there may be situations where you literally have to flee from it. God will provide a way out. And maybe sometimes that looks like actually running from the temptation and the sin in your life. Or maybe you came here this morning and you're dealing with some really difficult trials that make it hard just to get out of bed every morning. Maybe you're struggling. I mean, forget running a race. I'm struggling just to get to the starting block every day. So this morning, I want to encourage you to persevere and know that the Lord of creation, he's still there. He's still fighting for you and you are still a child of his. Do not give up. Continue pushing on. Continue getting on that starting block every day. And so this morning, you resolve to navigate through the quitting points in your life. When the going gets tough, will you bear down and persevere and navigate through the moments that you're tempted to say, I quit. Will you watch your life closely daily so that Satan can't get a foothold and steer you into the rocks that, sh- that threaten to strip- shipwreck you and your faith? Will you allow yourself to be vulnerable enough to let somebody come alongside you and help you finish the race that has been marked out for you? And will you commit to praying for others and looking out for those that are struggling that need somebody to come alongside them and help them finish their own race? If you want to be useful to the Lord and the work of his kingdom, if you want to persevere and keep fighting the good fight of faith, if you want to pick up your cross daily and follow Jesus, if you want to love your neighbor as yourself, these are the questions that you have to ask yourself. And I hope this morning that your answer will be yes. In Hebrews 12, the author tells us, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Friends, do not grow weary. Do not lose heart. Instead, fix your eyes on your Savior, King Jesus, so that we can persevere and finish the race that has been marked out for us. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you that we can come to your house this morning and we can worship you and praise you for the great things that you're doing in our lives, the great things that you've done in our lives. And Father, I pray that in the moments that we feel like we're getting into the rocks, that we might be in a situation where we might end up shipwrecked. I remember, I just pray that we would let Jesus be the light that steers us out of the trouble, steers us away from the temptation, that we would not get pulled into to situations that could bring us down, but that we would let Jesus be the light that guides us. Father, in those times, I pray, in our times of trials and the storms that, that attack us in this world, I pray that we would remember the great things that you've done for us and know that there is nobody like you, that you are the cornerstone that we can build our life on. 
And so, Father, this morning, whether it's temptation and sin that we're dealing with or just trials that just keep coming at us, I just pray that we would constantly be focused on Jesus and know that that is the way out because of the, 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 the sacrifice paid by Jesus on the cross that we can know that no matter the rocks that come our way, no matter the trials that come our way in this life, our hope can remain in eternal salvation and not death. Father, we thank you this morning that we have a hope. We thank you for your love. And Father, we thank you for the grace that you've afforded us through your son, Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, if you have never made the decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord and the King of your life, if you've never accepted him as your Savior, man, I think you're fighting life with one hand tied behind your back. It's not a fair fight. And so these these things are going to come at you and it's going to feel like you just can't handle it and you're going to be brought down by sin and temptation. But when we accept King Jesus, it says, says, you know what? You can't touch me anymore because I've got the ultimate king in my corner. And so if you've never made that decision, I hope you will this morning to come this morning and say, hey, you know what? I want Jesus to be the king of my life. I want to devote the rest of my life to following him and putting him first. And this morning, I want to be baptized in front of all these people to say, I made that decision. So if you've never made that, if you've never come forward for that, I I pray that you will because there's no better day than today to make that decision. It's the best decision you could ever make. If you've already given your life to Christ and you just come this morning and you say, man, I just need somebody to pray for me. I feel like we don't use prayer enough. We don't give it enough credit. It is the ultimate weapon in this life. So we, I would love to pray for you, whatever might be going on in your life, sin, temptation, or just the storms of life. I would love to pray with you. If you don't want to come down this morning, you can catch me after the service or any time during the week. We have our information card that we, we, we accept our prayer requests through, and our staff prays over those every week because we believe that prayer changes things, that prayer changes lives, and we want to give that to you as well. We want to offer that to you as well. And so whatever might be going on, if you just need some prayer, I would love to pray with you over that. Or maybe it's our staff through the week. So whether it's a decision you have to make or just prayer, I'll be down front. I ask all all of you to stand and sing as we sing our final song.